Let's turn your Bible to John chapter 17, verse 6 to 16. And uh, let's stand together for the reading of God's Word. John 17, verse 6 to 16. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you, have, that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Please be seated. My name is Jacob Jason, and my last name is spelled J-A-S-I-N, not J-A-S-O-N. Because of my last name, many people sometimes call me Jason, J-A-S-O-N. Um, Jason is a form of Jason, so I don't mind if people call me Jason. And Jason is a form of Joshua. It is of Hebrew origin, and Joshua means the Lord is my salvation. So my last name, Jason, means the Lord is my salvation. What about my given first name, Jacob? Jacob is also of Hebrew origin, and the meaning of Jacob is a supplanter, he who supplants, S-U-P-P-L-A-N-T. A supplanter is someone who takes the place of someone else with a purpose. Um, in Hebrew, Jacob also means he who grabs the heel. In the Bible, Isaac had two sons, twins, Esau and Jacob. Esau came out first, and then Jacob came out next with his hand holding Esau's hill. That's why he got the name Jacob. He who grabs the hill, Jacob tried to take the place of Esau. He was a supplanter, but God changed his heart and made him the father of Israel. God is the Lord of his salvation. Have you ever studied the meaning of your given first name and your family name? If you have not, there is a tool. It's called Google. <laughs> Today we will continue uh, to study, look at Jesus, uh, the high priestly prayer in, in John 17. 
His prayer for His people, for you and me. Jesus is the Lord of our salvation. Jesus spent three years of His life with His disciples. He taught them God's Word. He discipled them. He trained them. He equipped them. He had done His best. In the night before He was arrested and crucified, He committed His disciples to God the Father in prayer. And we will look at these passages into four sections. Uh, the first one, Jesus saves us, verse 6 to 8. Second, Jesus prays for us, verse 9 to 10. Third, Jesus protects us, verse 11 to 12. And then fourth, Jesus fills us with his joy, verse 13 to 16. Verse 1, Jesus saves us. In verse 6, Jesus prayed to the Father, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. The name of God indicates God in the beauty of His perfection as it is revealed to us. The name of God includes the attributes or the character of God, such as His holiness, righteousness, and love. Revealing God's name means revealing the whole character and nature of God. All that God is, God is almighty, he is all-knowing and present everywhere. He is holy, righteous, wise, and loving. And Jesus revealed God the Father to his disciples. He revealed God the Father through his teachings, but as well as through himself as the Son of God and the Word of God who become flesh. Jesus reveals God the Father in a very special way, only, only, to a certain group of people. Not every person in this world. Who are the people? Jesus said to the Father in his prayer in verse 6, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me. So there is a group of people whom the Father gave to Jesus out of the world. This group of people do not belong to the world, but belong to the Father, and the Father gave them to Jesus. This group of people is not everybody in this world, but a selected and chosen group of people. They belong to the Father because the Father gave them special saving grace. God the Father gave everyone in this world His common grace, such as the sun, the rain, and the beauty of nature that every one of us can enjoy. But to a chosen group of people, the Father gives His special saving grace. The Father gives Jesus to them, and the Father gives them to Jesus. The Father gives Jesus to you and I, and the Father gives us to Jesus. You and I belong to the Father. We don't belong to this world. We are not of this sinful world, but of the Holy God. The Father gave us His special saving grace and saved us from this world by sending Jesus, His own Son, to die on the cross for the punishment of our sins as our substitute. So that by putting our faith in Him, trusting and surrendering our life in Him, we might be saved. Colossians 1.13 said that He, God the Father, delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, 
Jesus is the Lord of our salvation. And God, by his special saving grace, has sent his Holy Spirit to work in us, bringing us alive from dead in sin, helping us to understand the truth of the gospel and to see the beauty of the cross, the beauty of a crucified Savior, his own Son. By his special saving grace, the Holy Spirit has enabled us to believe that Jesus is the Son of God who came from heaven to save us from our sins and to sacrifice himself for us. We are saved by God's special saving grace alone and not by our works. We can believe that Jesus is the Son of God by God's special saving grace. So we are saved by God's special saving grace alone, through our faith alone, and in Christ alone. God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, Jesus Christ. He is our Savior. He is the Lord of our salvation. Second, Jesus prays for us, verse 9 to 10. Jesus said to the Father in verse 9, I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. Jesus prays for us, and Jesus still prays for you and me. He never stops praying for us. He never takes a weekend off. He never takes vacation. He always prays for you and I. And He's always there for you, either in the morning, in the afternoon, in the night, after midnight, or early in the morning. He doesn't take a nap. He doesn't sleep. He's always there for you. When you have nobody to talk to, you can still talk to your Jesus. He is always there for you. Where is Jesus? The book of Hebrews tells us that he is at the right hand of the Father, praying and mediating for us. He is our great high priest. In the Old Testament, the job of a high priest is to mediate between God and his covenant people. Now, we don't need a man to be our high priest because we have the Son of God himself as our great high priest. Hebrews 4, 15 to 16 tell us, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus is able to sympathize with your weaknesses in every respect. He is the perfect mediator between us, his covenant people, and God the Father. Why is Jesus the perfect mediator? Because, one, he is God himself. He is the Son of God. And then second, he is God who become man. He has on-the-job experience. Jesus, as the Son of God, of God, he humbled himself and he took this job and he proved to be obedient. He was faithful to go to the cross, your cross, my cross, and he is still faithful as our mediator and intercessor. He is a merciful and faithful high priest. 
merciful as he is patient with our failings, with our weaknesses. And he is faithful as he never stops praying and mediating and interceding for us before God the Father. He is the Lord of our salvation. Jesus as the Son of God and God the Father are in perfect union. That is why Jesus said in verse 10, All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. All that belong to Jesus belong to the Father, and all that belong to the Father belong to Jesus. We belong to the Father, and we belong to Jesus. And we have the honor to have the glory of Jesus manifested in us. Jesus is glorified in our life when we surrender our life to him in repentance and faith. He is glorified in our life when we try to imitate him by being the like of the world. We are Christians, literally means little, little Christ. We are to reflect his glory and to shine his light in this broken world. And Jesus wants to be glorified in us because we are his and he is ours. Jesus doesn't need to be glorified in us. He is sufficient in himself. And the Father and the Holy Spirit glorify him. But because we are his people, and we are in a covenant union with him, he wants to be glorified in us. And that is our glory and our joy as well. We have a Savior who wants to be glorified in us. He wants to be part of our lives, your life and my life. Third, Jesus protect us, verse 11 and 12. Jesus said to the Father in verse 11, And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. Jesus is about to finish his redeeming work on the cross for us. He will go back to heaven to the Father and will no longer be in the world. And Jesus asked the Father to keep his people in his name. Now what does to be kept in God's name mean? The name of God indicates, indicates God in the beauty of his perfection. God's name reveals his attributes. To be kept or protected in God's name means to be protected in him by his sovereign power, wisdom, and love for us. And this is the eternal security of God's people, that we are kept and protected in God's name. It also means that we are, we are kept together as one covenant people of the triune God. Jesus prays that all his people may be one as he himself with the Father. Jesus wants all of us to be in unity as a covenant people. Jesus knows that the enemy will always attack his people. The enemy will always try to divide us. The unity of the triune God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is the foundation of the unity of Christ's people. And there has been a lot of attacks from the enemies to disunite us. 
But brother and sister, our unity in Christ is still in good shape. Look at here, this church. Why? It's because we are protected in God's name. Anybody who wants to mess with us, they are going to deal with the triune God. So good luck to them. Jesus said in verse 12, that while he was with his disciples, he kept them in his Father's name, which the Father had also given to him. As the Son of God who became a man, Jesus protected his disciples from the evil one. None of his disciples was lost, except the son of destruction, Judas. So that the scripture, the prophecy about him in the Old Testament, might be fulfilled. None of Jesus' people can be lost because they are protected by God. So what about Judas? He was a disciple of Jesus who was among the twelve. But he was not one of Jesus' people whom the Father have given to Jesus out of the world. Judas does not belong to Jesus but belongs to the world. He is the son of destruction because he is of the world. This sinful world and all that is in it will be destroyed. Judas was lost and destroyed because he had never repented of his sins and put his faith in Jesus, trusting and surrendering his life to Jesus. Judas put his faith in money and not in Jesus. He was not a born-again Christian. Not all who say that they are Christians are true Christians or born-again Christians. Many people follow Jesus with different reasons. Judas followed Jesus because he wanted to get money and build a reputation for himself. Many who say that they are Christians are false Christians. Many cultural Christians are false Christians and are not born-again Christians. Who are cultural Christians? Cultural Christians are those who identify themselves as Christians due to family background, personal experience, or social and cultural environment in which they grew up. They wear the label Christians, but the label has more to do with family background and upbringing than any personal conviction that Jesus is Lord over their lives. Cultural Christianity is more social than spiritual. A cultural Christian identifies with certain aspects of Christianity, such as the good work of Jesus, but rejects the spiritual aspect required to be a biblically defined Christian. Some people define themselves as a Christian as a way of declaring a religious affiliation. A famous scientist and an atheist, Richard Dawkins, refer, refers to himself as a cultural Christian because he admires some of the humanitarian aspects of Christianity. Dawkins is not a born-again Christian. He simply sees Christianity as a label to use. So who are born-again Christians? Born-again Christians are those who have repented from their sins and put their faith in Christ alone as their personal Lord and Savior, trusting and surrendering their life to Jesus. 
born-again Christians are true Christians. And true Christians have a transformed life. There will be evidence of this new life that they have in Jesus. Love and faithfulness to Jesus will be seen in their lives. Born-again Christians are in covenant union with Jesus, and he protects them in God's name because Jesus is the Lord of their salvation. So a question we can ask ourselves is, am I a born-again Christian or am I a cultural Christian? Have I repented of my sins and put my faith in Jesus alone? Do I follow him faithfully? Is Jesus my only Lord and Savior? Are there anything else more important to me than Jesus? Am I in a covenant union with him? If you are in a covenant union with Jesus, then whatever is true about Jesus is also true about you. If Jesus is holy and righteous, then you are holy and righteous in your union with Jesus. You have been justified and you are now being sanctified in him. If Jesus is beautiful and glorious, then you are beautiful and glorious in your union with Jesus. If you are in union with Jesus, then you are not of the world. You belong to him and to the Father. Heaven and God's kingdom is where you belong. It is where your citizen is, your spiritual citizenship is, because you are his people. For Jesus filled us with his joy, verse 13 to 16. Jesus' disciples heard these things that Jesus say in his prayer to the Father before them. So why did Jesus do that? Why did Jesus say these things before his disciples? And Jesus said in verse 13, so that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Jesus did not say that they may have their joy fulfilled in themselves. He said that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. And Jesus had actually said similar things in chapter 15. Uh, Jesus was teaching his disciples about being fruitful Christians. Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. He wants us to abide in him and be fruitful. He says in John 15 verse 11, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus knows that we need his joy. Joy is different than happiness. Happiness is outward and it depends on circumstances. Um, if, if you get a gift on your birthday or Christmas gift, then you are happy. If you eat good food, you are happy. Uh, if the food is not good, it's too sweet, too spicy, or too salty, you start grumbling. But joy is different. Joy is inward. It comes from knowing and trusting God in our life. Joy is one of the characteristics of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, then joy. And Jesus doesn't say that we will have our own joy or produce our own joy 
But he said that, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So it is his joy that we will receive if we abide in his love. What kind of, what kind of joy is Jesus' joy? It is joy that results from union and a perfect loving relationship with God the Father and the Holy Spirit from eternity. Think about that. It is his own joy that Jesus gives us. And that kind of perfect joy will make our joy full. This kind of joy is not affected by unpleasant circumstances. So if nobody cares about your birthday or if this year's Christmas you don't get a present, don't get depressed because Jesus still loves you and that is all it matters. I'm not a prophet. I'm not saying that you won't get a Christmas present this year. I'm saying that Jesus loves you. The joy that we have as Christ people is the joy of Christ that fills our hearts. His joy fills our hearts full and even overflows. It overflows to other people because our joy in Christ is contagious. Many of international students that I have brought to church will say when they visit church, they will say that somehow they feel that the peace and the joy of Christians around them, they can feel it. Our joy in Christ is powerful and is contagious. The joy of Christ is powerful. The joy and the love of the triune God is powerful, and that is why He created us. So we can also experience that kind of love, that kind of joy that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit have among themselves from eternity. When God created the universe, he spreaded his joy to the creations, including us. And that is why Psalm 19 said that the universe joyfully declares the glory of God. And so should we. Jesus then says in verse 14 to 16, I have, give, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. We have three enemies, the flesh, the world, and the devil. The flesh is our sinful nature that is still attached in our physical body. This sinful world and this broken world hate us because we are not of this world. We don't belong to this world. We belong to Christ. The evil one is the devil who, who always attack us by using the world and our sinful nature, our weaknesses. Jesus asked the Father to keep us and to protect us from the evil one. Jesus doesn't ask the Father to take us out of the world, but to keep and to protect us in his name from the evil one. So why does Jesus ask the Father not to take us out of the world? First, it is not the time yet. Jesus will indeed return 
and take all his people out of the world and bring us to his kingdom. Second, there are still many of his people who need to hear the gospel. After he rose again from the dead, and before he went up to heaven, he gave the great commissions to all his disciples to go and to make disciples of all nations. He has commissioned us to bring the gospel to all nations. So here is life takeaway, life applications that you can take away from this passage. First one, Jesus is the Lord of our salvation. Friends, if you do not have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are missing the best thing in your life. Jesus is the true Savior. All other saviors are false saviors. They will never pray for you. They will never sacrifice themselves for you. They will demand your time and attention, but they will never love you because they are false saviors. And there are many false saviors, but there is only one true savior. And he is, his name is Jesus. He is our true savior who has sacrificed himself for the punishment of your sins and my sins as our substitute. And it was our cross that he carried. If he did not abandon us for carrying our cross, he will never abandon you now. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And he is always there for you. When no one else is for you, he is still there for you. He loves you more than you can understand. His saving grace is what you need. So come to him if you do not have him as your personal Lord and Savior. He will save you and he will give you rest. He is the Lord of your salvation. Second, Jesus never stops praying for us. Brothers and sisters, Jesus never stops praying for you and I. He never takes vacation. He never takes a break from praying for us. He is our great high priest, and he always mediates for us before the Father. We will have our enemies attacking us, but we can put our trust in Jesus. He protects us in God's name. And because we are in a covenant union with him, he is in us, and we are in him. And because he is in us, we can overcome the evil one. The devil cannot overcome us. Why? For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. If the devil wants to mess with us, he is going to deal with Jesus, the Lord of our, the Lord of our salvation. Third, Jesus wants us to be on mission with him. None of Jesus' people will be lost. All that the Father has given to his sons, he will draw them to him. And Jesus has given us the great commissions to go and make disciples of all nations. He even makes it easy for us by bringing the nations to our city, to our own backyard. Johns Hopkins has over 5,000 international students from over 120 nations. So let us go and make disciples of all nations. 
Let us reach them for Christ, because he is the Savior and the hope of all nations. Jesus wants all his people to say, The Lord is my salvation. So let us be on mission with him to reach the nations for his glory, because he is worthy to be praised. He is the hope of all nations, and he is the Lord of our salvation. Amen. Let us pray. Let us pray the Lord's Prayer as Jesus has taught his disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.